You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. In Jesus' earthly ministry, he would often advocate for those who didn't have the voice to speak up for themselves, those who had been marginalized and cast aside. In Jesus' day, those were the women, the children, and others. Jesus was an advocate. He combined an appropriate amount of authority with vulnerability, allowing himself to take meaningful risks for the sake of elevating others. We are called to do the same. That's what we look at today. I think most of us, uh, if not all of us, are familiar with the story of to kill a mockingbird uh, in one form or fashion. Either we've read the book, or we've seen the movie, or we've done both. Um, If you haven't, or if you haven't seen it in a while, then uh, just kind of a recap of of what the story was about. The story follows Atticus Finch, who's an attorney living in a small Alabama town. And he has to make a decision and makes a decision to represent a man by the name of Tom Robinson, who's a black man accused of rape in this small Alabama town. He actually steps in uh, when nobody else would be willing to do that. And he does it at particular risk to not only himself, but to his family as well. And he, he gives us a picture of what advocacy really looks like. As we follow the story of Atticus Finch and, and his two kids, Jem uh, and Scout, um, we see uh, how this all plays out, not just for him and the risk that he takes, but, but also for his family as well. And he's in the movie, uh, he's having a conversation with his daughter, Scout, and, and he says, you know, there are some things that you're not old enough to understand just yet. There's been some high talk around town to the effect that I shouldn't do much about defending this man. And his daughter, Scout, says, if you shouldn't be defending him, then why are you doing it? To which Atticus responds, for a number of reasons. The main one is that if I didn't, I couldn't hold my head up in town. I couldn't even tell you or Jem not to do something again. And again, we see in Atticus Finch what an advocate looks like. That someone is willing to use their authority, their, their privilege to help lift somebody else up. And we think about the context of the story of To Kill a Mockingbird as well. That at that time, uh, African Americans were not looked at as equals. They were looked at as, as marginalized, as, as someone on the outside. And Atticus was willing to take a risk in order to do the right thing and, adi- and advocate for someone who no one else was willing to advocate for. You know, last week we began looking at uh, what it means to be in this process of Christiformity, that as we're shaped and formed to be more like Jesus every day, and last week we looked at the idea of forgiveness, which I know all of us are just, you know, perfect at, right? So, um, and today we look at uh, another thing that we see Jesus embody in advocating, um, that Jesus 
was an advocate for all those who were on the marginalized or were marginalized, were on the fringes of society. And we see a particular case in Matthew chapter 19. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 19. It'll be on the screen as well. Just two verses where we see Jesus really being an advocate for um, a group that isn't necessarily um, at the top of society. And this is what Matthew writes. He says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for Him to place His hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, Let the children come to Me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when He placed His hands on them, He went on from there. It wasn't unusual in this, at this time for, for people to bring their children to priests or elders, or yeah, for them to, to touch them and, and to bless them, to lay hands on them. And so what was happening here to Jesus wasn't anything necessarily out of the norm. And so here, commentators will say this was right around the Day of Atonement. And again, this wasn't something that was new or or unusual. As I read through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the the accounts of Jesus' life, I think sometimes that we could easily put uh, a subtitle on those Gospels and say, Adventures of Missing the Point for the Disciples. I mean, as we read through, I mean, and I can relate because I don't know about any of you, but there are times in life that the most obvious of things seem elusive to me. And I think as we read through the Gospels and we see the story of Jesus and the disciples, we see the disciples missing the point. And I think this was one of the cases where the disciples did that. They just missed it, especially if we read this chapter in context. If we go back just one chapter in, verse, in chapter 18, this is what happened. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. You know, imagine like the words of Jesus here are still hanging in the air. Anyone who welcomes one like these uh, welcomes me. And then all of a sudden, not too long later, uh, someone brings their children to Jesus and they're like, oh, hold it. Do you have a ticket? Like, let me see your registration to come see Jesus. And the disciples try to put a kibosh on that. And instead, Jesus has to remind them, no, let them them come. Let them come to me. Jesus had told them that the posture of a child is what he expects of us. That this innocence that they embodied, this curiosity that children carry with them, that wasn't something to be looked down upon. Actually, Jesus said, if we have a posture like that, then we'll be on our way to understanding what it means to inherit the kingdom of God. And Jesus actually says that we need to be like them. And Jesus didn't, again, just say that, but then He demonstrated it. He was willing to to step down and to be lowly 
in order uh, that we might be the benefactors of that. If we look back in the book of Isaiah, the the prophecies that came hundreds of years before Jesus, there's a, a whole section in the book of Isaiah about the suffering servant, which we come to know is Jesus. The, the one who is willing to, to take on the lowly nature for our benefit. Someone who is willing to be an advocate for us. And Jesus embodies that. He incarnates that. And we see it in Philippians 2, a passage that I feel like I quote all the time where Jesus was willing to empty Himself and to put on flesh, and to step into time so that we could receive the benefits of what He gave to us. You know, advocates are people who who step into something and do something for others that they can't do for themselves. You know, that word advocate, where does it come from? I, I always enjoy looking at the etymology of words and understanding what that looks like. If we look back at, at the, the origin of the word advocate, it comes from the Latin for uh, calling to one's aid. And you think about an advocate, that when, when somebody needs aid, they're going to call someone to be an advocate for them. Now that's what an advocate does. They stand up for someone who can't aid themselves. And, and then we get that word advocate. And we see that even in To Kill a Mockingbird, that Atticus Finch was an advocate for Tom Robinson. Tom Robinson couldn't stand up for himself. He didn't have the clout. He didn't have the authority. He didn't have the respect. He didn't have the privilege that, that Atticus Finch had. Oftentimes, advocates will come to someone else's aid at their own risk, at their own expense. And just as we see Atticus do that, Jesus did that for us. He aided us and accomplished what we could never accomplish on our own. He died for us. He rose again so that we might reap the benefits of what He did. You know, we're, a, a group of us are going through a, a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality now. It, it, uh, time to time, we'll go through book studies here at the branch. One of the books that we've looked at in the past is, is a book called Strong and Weak by Andy Crouch. It's a book that I've put on my shelf. I've gotten multiple copies of, um, and I've taken to saying, hey, I'm going to read this book every couple of years because it's a good reminder to me of what Jesus does, and then what we're called to do as well. And and Crouch has this really good uh, quadrant here, um, which is always helpful. I'm a very visual person, so I appreciate being able to look at something and kind of ingest it, um, because I'm not just ingesting it like verbally, I'm ingesting it with my eyes. I'm, I'm looking at it, and, and when I look at this chart, um, it really shows, as Crouch talks about in this book, this, this idea of authority and vulnerability together. When we look at the picture of Jesus, he embodies that together. And we see Jesus in this place of flourishing. But we can often see, sometimes in ourselves, sometimes in other people, what happens when, when there's a, a, 
you know, when we're in different parts of this quadrant. If, our, if we embrace authority, but we're not willing to be vulnerable, then we'll be exploiting other people. And maybe we can think about people where we've seen that happen before. If, we're, if we don't have authority and we're not willing to be vulnerable, we'll be in the withdrawing quadrant. Like, hey, just kind of leave me out of it. Like, I'm, I'm not going to try to gain any authority at all. I'm just going to step back, mind my own business. I'm not going to reveal anything. I'm not going to risk anything. Then there are some who, who don't have authority, but they're super vulnerable. And we see those people suffering. That they don't have the authority to get out. They need advocates. And then Jesus, again, models for us what it looks like to have authority, but also to be willing to be at risk. And I've I've quoted before what vulnerability is based on Andy Crouch's definition. It's It's exposing ourselves to meaningful risk. We see that in Atticus Finch, but we definitely see that in Jesus. We would probably say in story, um, talk that Atticus Finch is a Christ figure in a story. That he acts as an advocate for someone who needs an advocate, who needs aid and assistance. See, Jesus, he embraced the paradox of flourishing that pursues greater authority and greater vulnerability at the same time. That's what Andy Crouch says in that book, Strong and Weak. He's willing, he has the authority but he's willing also to embrace greater vulnerability. When we seek greater authority with less or no vulnerability, then yeah, it exploits others. Had Jesus not had the authority that he coupled with his own willingness to enter into the risk of vulnerability, we wouldn't experience a flourishing life. A life that, again, reaps the benefits of what Jesus did for us on the cross. What do we learn from outcasts? What do we learn from those who have been marginalized? Those who may find themselves in in that bottom quadrant of that, that graph. You know, when we operate as advocates, we need to be careful too. We need to be careful to, to not remain high or think too highly of ourselves. Part of me wonders if that's what the disciples were doing here. You know, there's so often, and I have to remind myself of this all the time, um, even um, in, in that book that some of us are going through, uh, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, talk about doing things for Jesus or being with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that trap before where you like to do a lot of stuff. Like, hey, I get it done. But am I stopping to actually be in the presence of other people? Am I stopping to be in relationship with other people? Or is it just about getting stuff done? Because if we don't take the time, then people just become projects. People just become things that help us do what we're supposed to be doing, and we forget about the actual personal aspect of them. And I wonder, again, if the disciples were thinking to themselves, you know, Jesus has got places to go, people to meet, people to heal, stuff to do. He can't monkey around with these little kids. 
What, why are you bringing them? But they were important enough to Jesus for him to have said what he said, even to the point of saying in, in chapter 18 that, hey, if you do it to them, then it's like you're doing it to me. There's a danger that, that we can become so focused on stuff and things that we miss the people part of it. And like the disciples, I wonder, have we created barriers for people who are desperately needing to meet Jesus? Because we've said, you know what? No, no. We ain't got time for that. Like, well, Jesus is reserved for for these people over here or these people up here. So all you on the sides, all you down below, no. We're going to create barriers for you so that you can't come to Jesus. And I know that if I'm honest with myself, I've probably done that before. I've probably been so focused on the doing that I forget about the being. I forget about what I'm supposed to do. You know, rules are important, absolutely. Rules are important to prevent chaos from ensuing. But when we forget about the people aspect, like I think the disciples were doing, then we miss it. And this is this is Black History Month, and if, if we study a little bit about the history of our country and the civil rights movement, we saw multiple times where there were people who said, yeah, those rules, those are fine and good, but there are people over here whose lives are being impacted by those rules. And so maybe it's time to break some of them. Maybe it's time for us to, to step out of it. Especially when we find that rules and laws that are put into place are unjust. And we say, hey, you know what? They, these things are preventing someone from flourishing. These things are preventing someone from really experiencing what Jesus came to bring us. And Jesus, He stepped in the time and He put on flesh to come down to our level. He had power. He had a quality with the Father and yet He was willing to empty Himself to put that on hold in order that we might receive the benefits of that. And I wonder how we might do the same as advocates. And what power, what authority, what privilege do we have that we might need to set aside in order that we can come down to the place and meet people. Not so that we can just go back again into our fancy cars, fancy jobs, fancy houses later, but so that we can help lift somebody else up. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus was willing to get down low even to the place of children. Are we willing to get so low? Some of us might find ourselves in positions of influence, of power, of authority. Many of us have privileges that aren't afforded to others. That we were born with, or we achieved over the course of our lives. Are we willing to use those things for the sake of others? I think the question we have to ask ourselves is this. How am I taking my influence my power, my authority, and my privilege in helping to lift others up? How am I meeting people where they are 
not so that I can feel good about myself and go back later, but so that I can help them, give them dignity. As Crouch says in his book, Strong and Weak, the most important thing we're called to do is to help our communities meet their deepest vulnerability with appropriate authority. Even when we don't think we have authority, we have more authority than others. Even when we don't think we have privilege, we have more privilege than others. And when we advocate for others, we give them dignity, oftentimes at our own risk. We're willing to put ourselves out there. At the end of To Kill a Mockingbird, there's a scene that I think is so powerful that shows what happens when someone's willing to take on that vulnerability, willing to take on that risk. I want us to look at this scene. I think one of the powerful things about that scene, too, if you know the story, Atticus didn't win the case. You know, Tom Robinson was basically convicted of a crime that, that he didn't commit, and yet you look at the fact that, that he gave a whole group of people dignity by being willing to take that risk. Jesus was willing to do that. So we look at the picture of Jesus on the cross, dying, suffering there for us. He was willing to be an advocate, do something for us that we could never do on our own. And so the question is, are we willing to do that for others? Jesus showed his disciples and us not to hinder the vulnerable, those who may find themselves on the outside. Not to hinder them from coming to Him. And so what are we doing to make sure we don't hinder others from coming to Jesus? And so, just two questions for us to consider in this. First one is this. Are we hindering others from coming to Jesus? Are we setting up lots of different boundaries and barriers that keep others from experiencing the grace of Jesus Christ? You know, one of the things that that we have said here at the branch is that that's what we hope to be is a place where life and faith meet so that God can break down barriers to his grace. And hopefully he can use us as instruments to do that. You know, how are we able to do that? 
And the second question is this, how are we using our power, our influence, our authority, and our privilege to the benefit of others? You know, I always uh, will talk about strengths. I work with people as we think about their strengths. And one of the things that I talk about is that naturally, our strengths, we want to use for our own benefit and flourishing. What happens, hopefully, when Jesus gets a hold of us is that we stop asking, how is this going to benefit me? And we start asking, how can I use this to benefit others? All of us have power and privilege and authority. The question is, how are we using those things, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others? Jesus did it, and he calls us to follow suit to be advocates for those who can't advocate for themselves. Let me pray for us. Father, if we ever wonder what advocacy looks, at, looks like, we can just imagine you on the cross for us. Willing to step in the time, step in the flesh. Willing to suffer, willing to die for us so that we might have life. God, would you remind us of that on a daily basis? Would you remind us of the privilege of the authority of the power that we have because of what you've done for us? But Father, may we not leave it there. May it do something within us that we might be reminded that, that with great power with great response comes great responsibility and that we need to be using what you've given us not for our own sake and our own flourishing but also for the sake of others as well i pray god even this week that you would just show us what it means to step out one step at a time looking noticing those who might be on the outside, who we may have to step down to in order that they can be lifted up for the sake of flourishing that you've called us to, that you've enabled us to, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How are you using your power, your influence, your authority, and your privilege for the sake of others who are in the margins? Are you lowering yourself down so that they can be raised up? That's what Jesus did. He emptied himself and he gave himself up for us. We should go and do likewise. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.